Hi, and welcome to episode 67 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher at iPhone Life. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor at iPhone Life. Each week, we talk to you about the best apps, great gear, and top news in the iOS world. In this episode, we're going to go over the best and worst features of iOS 11. Uh, iOS 11 became available last week, so some of you guys have probably tested it out for yourself. And we've had uh, a chance for several months to be using it and now have very strong opinions either <laughs> way about some features. And we thought we'd share with you, and you can weigh in and let us know if you agree or disagree by emailing podcasts at iphonelife.com. Uh, we also have some answers from readers. Uh, sorry, we have answers from our listeners. People aren't reading the podcast. Um, <laughs> Although you can now. We do have a transcription. Fun fact. If you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast, you can read along as we talk. Yeah. So, But we had a lot of people email us last week to let us know what they thought of our episode on whether or not you should upgrade to the iPhone ten. Uh, so we want to share some of our an- those answers with you guys, too. But uh, first, we want to tell you about our sponsor this week, which is TPO. Yeah. So as you're getting ready to purchase the new iPhone, either the iPhone 8 or the iPhone 10, uh, one of the thing, many factors you're going to be trying to figure out is which carrier to choose. And what I'd like to do is open your mind to the fact that there are additional carriers out there beyond the big four. TPO is one of them. Uh, and so one of the interesting things that's happened over the past couple years is that uh, the price of the phone is no longer connected to the price of the service plan. So it used to be that Verizon would subsidize the phone and you'd spend $400 on the phone and then kind of the rest of the price of the phone was baked into the service plan. That's no longer the case. It, it Now what happens is you buy your phone and then you buy your service plan. And so what that means is some of the other carriers in addition to the big four are much more competitive now because they have never subsidized the phones. And so TPO has really competitive prices. They use uh, both Sprint and T-Mobile's towers. So you have great service wherever you have service for Sprint and T-Mobile. And they donate uh, a percentage of your monthly payments to charity. So it's a great way to, A, have affordable rates, often lower than Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile or Sprint, and B, donate to charity, and it's a, a great service. So make sure you check them out at uh, tpomobile.com. Yeah. I, I always mess up the URLs. You can Google TPO Mobile and it'll come up, or go to iphonelife.com com slash podcast and we'll link to it (laughs) yes definitely and i was interested in tpo for uh the apple watch and ipads if you want cellular models of them tpo Mm -hmm. seems like a good option absolutely Uh, yeah so definitely it's an interesting service and you know you don't i think it's they're the only carrier that offers charity options which is very yeah it's really interesting and have it be affordable and offer charity so it's not like you're choosing between those two yeah that's Um, great So our tip this week is how to optimize storage on your iPhone with iOS 11. As many of you guys know, probably a lot of you are already Daily Tip subscribers. Uh, We send out a daily newsletter that teaches you something cool you can do with your iPhone every day. And this is the best time of year to be a Daily Tip subscriber because we cover new iOS 11 features all the time. 
Uh, and so this episode, we wanted to tell you about this tip, how to optimize storage on your iPhone with iOS 11. And uh, basically, this is a huge pain point for lots of people. Mm -hmm. uh, even when you have a phone that has a decent amount of storage, I mean, now, unless you have an old phone, we're gone from the days of 16 gigabytes of storage on your device. Thank God. <laughs> um, I used to always be cheap about it and would get the lowest storage option for my phone. And I was constantly either deleting apps or photos or all that. And now, even though I have more storage, it's still something that's nice to manage and keep mm -hmm. under control. So you're just making the best use of all the space on your phone. So iOS 11 has made that super easy. You just go to settings, general, iPhone storage, and there now you have this really like visually clear layout that shows you what, um, what different types of content are taking up space on your phone and just at a glance at the top. And then below that, really clear options for how to clear up space. You have the option to offload apps and your phone will, will show you which apps you haven't really been using. And so if you offload the apps, it'll keep your data, but erase the rest of the content of that app. So for instance, if it's a game, you'll keep your scores, but you'll erase all of the levels from the game. And if you want that game back, if you decide, you know, mm -hmm. you want to add it back to your rotation, the icon will actually stay on your phone with a little cloud symbol below it. So you just tap it and it'll load it up again. So that's just super. It's really awesome. This is, I know we're going to get to some of our favorite mm -hmm. iOS features, but this is a awesome iOS feature because it's yeah. one of the biggest pain points for iPhone and it's mm -hmm. something that Apple has had done very little to address. I mean, I think it was maybe iOS 10 where they even let you see which apps were using the most data or most yeah. storage and now they give you so many more tools to be proactive because they have access to, the, to analytics in your operating system that they just weren't giving you and weren't giving you useful proactive ways to clear up storage. So mm -hmm. really, really awesome feature. Make sure you check it out. Yeah. So go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to sign up for our daily tips newsletter. And every day we'll be coming out with awesome iOS 11 tidbits like this that you don't want to miss. Mm -hmm. Um, so actually we did have a reader I keep saying reader. <laughs> we, we had someone email in asking us if our iPhone storage tips work if you only for iOS 11 or if they also work for iOS 10. And this tip particularly is for iOS 11. But last week, last episode, we gave you some tips for clearing up your storage in order to update for iOS 11. So those were, those were all tips that do apply to iOS 10 also. Mm -hmm. So, um, Apple's just made it easier with iOS 11, but definitely there are ways to optimize your storage with iOS 10 as well. And check out our last episode where we give you tips on how to prep for iOS 11 if that's the situation you're in right now. So iphonelife.com slash podcast is where you'll find all of our blog posts for all of our episodes there. Um, all right, so moving along, we <laughs> want to share with you an insider question of the week. iPhone Life Insiders, our premium subscription, um, and that gives you access to video guides where we'll, like, we have a complete iOS 11 guide, for instance. Yes, uh, make sure you check it out if you haven't. It's awesome. And we have video versions of all of our daily tips, so you'll see us walking through on our screens how to do exactly what we're telling you about, which just makes it easier to follow. And Ask an Editor is a feature that we have that uh, Sarah is our you know, spearheads this program where people write in with specific questions and she helps them answer them. So if you're having tech problems, 
she will make sure you get your problem solved. <laughs> so this episode, she is going to share uh, a recent insider question and how she helped them out. All right, so um, in iOS 11, there's a lot of really cool new features, including uh, the new control center, but some things have moved around. So I got an email from an insider who wanted to know where is AirDrop in iOS 11, Ooh. because when you open up control center now, it's not just there. Um, but it is there. It's just hidden. I, I guess Apple decided not enough people use it. Do you guys airdrop? I like never airdrop. Sometimes I, the office, I yeah, do. Yeah. Sometimes when we're like airdropping like a large bunch of photos to okay. and from each other. Um, but yeah, I don't, besides sometimes wanting to instantly share some photos, I, I really don't Every use it. once in a while, but usually I'll just like text it or use a Dropbox link if it's a big file. Right. Yeah. So, but you know, some people do yes. use airdrop. So <laughs> the place to find it is it's still there. Um, and you know that if you open up your control center, you'll see the tile. I don't know what Apple's calling them. I just decided to call them tiles <laughs> um, that has like Bluetooth and wi- Wi-Fi and cellular and um, airplane mode. And if you 3D touch that, um, just like put your thumb or finger on there and press it firmly, it will open up an expanded tile and you will see the airdrop option there. Um, and then you can touch that and choose, you know, like airdrop from everyone or contacts only and find the device you want to airdrop to or from. So that's where it's hidden. In general, nice. I think I've given this advice before, but it's like 10 times more true now, which is that on the control center, there are so many options for you, especially with iOS 11, when you 3D touch. So make sure you're kind of going through and 3D touching everything and figuring out what everything does. And you can go and customize it now, which is super right. cool. Yeah. Spend a couple minutes 3D touching all the icons in Control Center and it will change your life. Yeah. I'm not even really exaggerating. And go into settings and look at what you can add because that's another thing that'll really make your life better. I had no idea some of the things that I added. It's exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, one thing that I like with Control Center that you can now add is a manual control for do not disturb while driving. Um, oh, yeah. So that's something you might want to check out too. I'll mention that in our favorite features <laughs> section. So we want to share with you what some of our listeners have said from the last episode. Sarah, I think, has that ready to share with us. Um, we had some strong opinions from people about whether or not to upgrade to the iPhone 10 versus the iPhone 8. And there were some things there that we hadn't thought of in our mm-hmm. debate. So we were really happy to hear from you guys. Um, I believe one one point that I really thought was good is that the iPhone 8 doesn't require you to get a new case. And, you know, we get a lot of cases sent to us at the office yeah. because we're reviewing them. But a lot of these cases are quite expensive. Like eighty bucks or something like that, you know. They are. Uh, it's a it's a reasonable point. Uh, my, <sighs> you're spending a thousand dollars on an iPhone ten. You're spending eight hundred dollars on an iPhone eight. Uh, the case seems yeah, but like you have to take into account, right? When you're spending that much, like okay, additionally, I need to spend this much on a case and this yeah. much on a wireless charger and pad, this much on storage, and this much on, like Apple Care, and you know, like because you usually don't want right. the base model, so. You know, so the savings become greater. So well, by, yeah, by, to go by going right. But also, it's kind of like, oh, you're spending a thousand. You might as well spend this much more. But you know, that stuff adds up, especially if you have a family of more than one iPhone user. You know, yeah. it's 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 not a small thing. I 
I basically I just disagree with you, David. That Good. it's like, okay. oh, you're spending this much, you might as well spend more. No, no, it's true. You and there are. Your phone, but... I, I do think you're making a really important point. It, it, as is the reader, which is that when you're buying a phone, there's a lot of extra expenses that come bundled in, especially this time around. When you a have to buy a new case if you buy the 10, you have to buy. You don't have to, but you probably want to buy the wireless charging pad. You want to buy. I don't know that. Do you guys recommend 64 gigabytes? Let, let me ask that. 64 gigabytes is the base model. It's the now. base model. I'm on the fence. Uh, I, I that think... would be enough for me, but um, I don't know if that's enough for you, is it? David? I don't know that it is. Yeah. Let me I, see. I'm kind of at 64 gigabytes right now, but I know from looking at my iPhone storage in settings that mm-hmm. I could easily get rid of about 2 gigabytes. Okay. I mean, 20 gigabytes of like photos and music. 64, unlike 32, feels like it could be enough, but just barely. So I tend to err on the side of getting a little bit more because I just hate that feeling of always having right. to optimize. But I, I feel like I could live with 64 gigabytes. Um, you know, it would require a little bit of management, mm-hmm. which I enjoy not having to manage. But certainly to save a few hundred bucks, it might be worth it, you know. I would say look at your iPhone storage, offload any photos you don't need to have on your phone, and optimize your photo storage, optimize your music storage, um, you know, offload apps you're not using regularly, and then decide. Mm-hmm. And so how does that tie in to what you're Here, Here's how it ties in. I think that Apple is doing this tricky thing that Apple's great at, which is starting at a pri- at a base level price and then there's all these incremental updates because you want the case you want the charger you want extra storage and so somewhere along the line you have to draw a line in the sand or yeah. you just pull out your credit card and say okay but i understand i guess i'm coming along sarah's way of thinking and the reader's way of thinking which is i guess you do have to draw a line in the sand somewhere because everything is just an extra hundred dollars uh-huh. And right. suddenly you're spending $1,500. Yeah. Right. Um, and every single, I have three letters here, and every single person who wrote in didn't just talk about like the form factor or face ID or all those other things, although they did. Every single one of them, though, mentioned cases. Interesting. Okay. So it sounds like it is a, a much bigger deal to them, and that makes sense because we have a lot of cases lying around. I will argue, I know we. Uh, well, I don't know. It seems like you do. If you have a glass back, you kind of want a nice case. I was going to say that there's a lot of affordable case yeah. options, and there are. And for a lot of people, those are great. But it seems like also, you know, the otter boxes of the world are probably going to become more popular with a glass back, not less. Yeah, although you do need to use more of a lightweight case in order for wireless charging to still work efficiently mm-hmm. with the iPhone 10. I mean, we haven't been able to test that out yet. Yeah, but, I. Uh, so you yeah. might want a lighter weight case, actually. I, to be but. honest, have never ever signed up for Apple Care before, but I think once I get the phone and, and I'm kind of a late early adopter, so it probably won't be till like after Christmas. Um, I will probably get Apple Care for the first time ever because that glass back makes me nervous. And now they're showing videos, of course, of people smashing the new phones, and it's like very disturbing. So, can I tell you what I'm planning on doing that I've advocated against? Besides buying a case. <laughs> well, yeah, I've, that that I've kind of come around on a while ago because I've just broken my screen one too many times. But I've kind of committed to obviously part of the job, but like buying a phone every year. And in the past, I've advocated against Apple's plan of just uh, having the plan where you can switch in your phone each time because you can sell your old phone for more on eBay. But it feels like the difference between what you can make on eBay versus what you can make 
what if you just do it through Apple is feels like not enough to justify it. I think I have to look into it more, but I think it's maybe like a hundred dollars or something. And so I'm kind of in coming around to the idea of just doing the Apple for Apple's the upgrade yeah program. for the iPhone 10. Uh, you can pay. It, it ends up being about six hundred dollars a year. I think it's fifty dollars a month for the iPhone 10, and then you can up with that you can upgrade each time. Uh, mm-hmm. And that feels like it's kind of worth it to me right now. It might be also because I've had some bad experiences with eBay recently yeah. where there are a lot of fake buyers out there. You end up spending, wasting a lot of time. Like I've had several items, iPhones and an Apple Watch. Someone bought it and then days go by. They're not paying for it. Yeah. Like, so, you know, there is some security to the Apple upgrade program too. Like, you know, you know what you're signing up for. You're not spending as much as you would on buying a new phone. And I, I've been scammed. Uh, like I... I admitted it to you guys before and I, I like to think of myself as a pretty savvy online shopper and, mm-hmm. and seller but I got scammed because I just wasn't paying enough attention so it, it feels like a little risky a little bit of a hassle mm-hmm. I'm confident I won't be scammed again because I now figured out that I need to pay attention but it feels like eBay is kind of more of a hassle than it's worth right now so I'm coming around to the just suck it up pay 50 bucks a month and I can always get the new phone every year the nicest new phone and it's like 35 bucks a month for the iPhone 8 or something so it's pretty reasonable one thing I wanted to address um, I did see a comment from a listener saying that complaining a little bit that we focus a little too much on the cost of things versus um, talking about the new features and I wanted to address that um, For one thing, I do think cost is still a concern for a lot of our listeners, whether or not, you know, obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you're an Apple enthusiast, you like Apple products, but cost is probably still a factor for you. And the other thing is when we do talk about this, we are weighing cost with the, like, is it worth it based on the new features? Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's a relationship between the features and the cost. So we just like to keep that in mind. But we do appreciate that our listeners are Apple enthusiasts and want want the newest tech. So. We got a lot of feedback <laughs> from everybody, both positive and some uh, constructive criticism. And we yeah, appreciate both. Yeah. So keep the feedback coming. Yeah. Uh, I do think, and we're about to get into this with the Face ID, not everybody agrees with me. But personally, I think that really the difference if you're deciding between the 8 or the 10, is how much money you want to spend. I think the 10 is just objectively the better phone. And so it really is a debate of, is it worth paying extra for these extra features? But if mm-hmm. money is no object to you, and I guess we can get into this now, but I think the 10, it's just it's a no-brainer. Yeah, some people do have, like you people said, disagree have, with me. Con- have concerns <laughs> right, over yeah. Face ID, yeah. which we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, So let's read but, some of that. Yeah, w- okay. was there anything else from readers you wanted to? Sure. Um, yeah, like for this first one, uh, this insider's uh, main concern is actually whether or not she can use a passcode with the iPhone ten because for her, Face ID is just not an option. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people, it's a new technology. It, it exists other places, but it hasn't always been the most secure. Your face is everywhere, you mm-hmm. know, so it's like, it feels, it's kind of like publishing your passcode and then like thinking you're all secure in some ways for some people. Um, and then also, um, some people are concerned that the iPhone 10 won't continue to exist as a form factor. And so they want to stick with a form factor that's familiar, that they have cases for. Um, someone else was actually concerned that 
it's the iPhone 10 is narrower and so maybe the keyboard won't be as wide. I mean, I think I would wait until I could get my hands on an actual iPhone 10 if I was concerned about how the slightly different dimensions of the screen were gonna impact how I would use it before I would make that decision. But if you want a new phone right away, because I'm pretty sure there's gonna be waits for the iPhone 10 even, you know, even beyond the October 27 pre-order date. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, uh, the main thing is actually the case. They want to have the same size phone. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting to me because one of the biggest selling factors of the iPhone 10 is that I get a smaller phone, yeah. but I still have a huge yeah. screen or I have a bigger screen than before. Because right. that I love the big screen on the iPhone 7 Plus, but I really don't like having such a big phone. Exactly. No, that's right. a trade-off that I've had to deal with the last couple of years, which is that it's worth it to me to have the Plus because of the bigger phone and the nicer yeah. camera, but I hate the, the size of it. Right. And so mm-hmm. to me, that is the, the new form factor with the big screen and the camera is what I love about it. But yeah. I, I, I get the other, A, the familiarity, and B, adjusting and getting a new case, and all the unknowns with the new phone. I get all that. Yeah. Right, and some readers were actually saying that the new cellular Apple Watch was the biggest draw, which we're going to talk about in the next podcast. But I thought that was interesting that people are also considering, should I get the new phone or should I get the new Apple Watch. Yeah, because sometimes people have a budget for this sort of thing and, you know. I mean, that's certainly something I'm wrestling with. Apple's come out with a lot of enticing new products lately. Uh, We're going to talk about iOS 11 and and for me, my iPad is struggling with iOS 11 and so, like, I'm wanting a new iOS, I'm wanting a new iPad, I want the HomePod, I don't have the wireless AirPods, like there's a lot of cool stuff. I want a new Apple Watch. I'm not going to be able to get it all. (laughs) Nobody's really, I mean, most people aren't going to just buy all of it all the time. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of what do you want. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right, Apple enthusiasts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, should we move on to iOS 11 features? Well, we wanted to talk about Face ID. Oh, right. Uh, That was one of the big concerns people have. Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk about that briefly before we move into iOS 11. Um, So people are concerned about Face ID and just to recap some of the, the issues that people are worried about. It's similar to how people are concerned about Touch ID. They're afraid that someone could sort of force you into unlocking your phone by putting your face in front of it. I mean, that's kind of like people were worried like, about, you know, taking your hand too. or cutting off your hand or something like that with but Touch ID. But if someone's going to physically coerce you, I mean, like, if my life's in danger, you can have my passcode. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's an actual real concern. I, right. I it's think, not any different. I really. think fundamentally there's two major concerns with the technology. Number one is security. And there's kind of the, far-fetched security concerns of could somebody reconstruct your face and put it in front of the phone or could somebody force you to hold your phone up that stuff feels like if somebody's going through that much trouble they're likely going to be able to like access your stuff if somebody holds a gun to your head like they can get your passcode or your face you know what i mean it's interesting i was reading an article and i wish i could remember um where it was just so I could give attribution, but they basically said it's interesting that people are more concerned about criminals versus like, you know, like so like a criminal like or their government, you know, forcing you to give up this information versus like a hacker because that's where the actual danger is for your device. Yeah, most of it's hacking. So yeah. there, there's security and, and there's two levels of concern. One is like, can somebody recreate your face somehow? The other is is your face being stored on your device and can somebody is, access yeah. that? So is that's, Apple storing data on your face? And this is detailed yeah. data that, that Apple, you know, 
like Apple was talking about all of the measures they're going to to be accurate about your face. And, and so I think people are nervous about that. Like, so Apple has your face somewhere. now. Yeah. yeah. And number two is the convenience. We all know that with Touch ID, it got better over time. And when it first came out, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And so people are a little bit concerned giving up Touch ID, which is now a very consistent loved feature for a new feature that is unknown. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so let's let's go into each of those. Number one is security, security a concern for you guys? How much should people care about security? I, I think you should care. Like I said, hackers are more of a problem than and you know like unless you're someone who gets profiled at the airport a lot. I mean, you do read those stories, but it's it's much more common just to have like hackers get into your phone. In which case, maybe you should turn your Bluetooth off in public places. Um, turn your but, Bluetooth off. I haven't heard that as a recommendation. I mean, well. There have been, and, and Apple ha- released a patch for this for way back in iOS 10. So, okay. um, but there have been um, basically like vulnerabilities where someone in a public place can access your phone or your computer via your Bluetooth because um, it's basically like having a window open to okay. your device. So, um, so you're saying that's more of a concern than this because like. You know, for instance, I mean, it has been patched, it's been patched. In Apple, but you know, like it's a constant like trying to keep up with very creative people who are finding new ways to access your device. And and we have articles on like steps you can take to avoid being hacked, and so mm-hmm. we can link to that in our post iphonelife.com/podcasts. But I but really what this is getting to is that uh, Face ID I don't really see as being that different than Touch ID or your passcode when it mm-hmm. comes to security because there are ways that someone could coerce you in any of those situations, but from the past, that's ended up being pretty rare. Um, hacking in other ways seems more likely than someone, you know, you know, forcing your face in front of your yeah. phone and doing that, just like they could similarly force your finger onto the Touch ID button yeah. and open your phone. I mean, we had a we had an interview with a security expert in one of our insider collections, and basically what he said was the main thing people should worry about is having secure passwords. Mm-hmm. And that's I basically agree with that. I mean, that is very fundamental, having secure passwords and having the questions, those little questions to access your phone, having those be questions that people can't social engineer. They can't go look at your Facebook and, and see what answer those questions in order to get right. your password to me pe- people spend an inordinate amount of time worrying about security and it's worth it on a macro level it's worth the society debating these things what we want what we don't want on a personal level first of all i think that our social i hate to break it to everybody but our social security numbers are all out there thanks to is it equifax that did yeah. that mm-hmm. i mean if somebody wants to get at your personal information likely they will uh and to some degree if you want to invest time in it invest time in monitoring this in using something like LifeLock to make sure that if people do get at it, they can't get very far. I just don't see it as being a major risk. I also think that the government, if you're worried about that side of it, I hate to break it to you, but they have an index of your face from either your driver's license or your passport. And so and it's faces like, all over your social media. Yeah. I, it just feels like something that is abstractly concerning, but in reality, I don't see it as being a risk worth making a purchase decision around. What do you guys think? Do you agree? So I think, yeah, yeah I agree. I think for me, actually, I just want to see how well it works mm-hmm. before I really like, because it's really frustrating to like be trying to get into your phone and have it not just instantly open. That's mm-hmm. what I love about Touch ID. I can just like, as I'm pulling it out of my pocket, 
already be unlocking it. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of privacy, I mean, you you sort of got into that a little bit, but um, that was another concern people have. Is Apple going to be storing your face? Are they going to be, you know, will police, for instance, be able to force you to open your phone with your face or like, you know? I mean, they can already theoretically, I don't know if like cases where they've compelled people, but from what I've read, theoretically, they can't compel you to give them a passcode. But they can, although they certainly do their best and have succeeded in like getting people to give them passcodes. Um, but they can't. But they can like, um, like, you know, like your fingerprint, your face. That's not considered like um, the same legally. Like they can make you put your thumb on your. They can your touch ID. They can. Oh, they Versus can. They can't force you to like give up information in your head, but they can hmm. theoretically. I, yeah, I, I think let's preface this by saying we're not lawyers. Oh my God, <laughs> not even close. Say, yeah. I, I don't, I never heard like that to be true. Articles, but. many articles. I've read, okay. I've read a fair number of articles and they all basically say this, but yeah, it's the internet. And I know this is shocking to some people, but information on the internet is not always accurate. And also it's really not a great place to get like legal advice. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is where Apple's track record comes in, and I am comforted by Tim Cook has taken a strong stance Mm -hmm. for privacy um, and has not, in general, with Touch ID, for instance, that information has been stored only locally on your phone. Apple has not collected that, and Apple has not um, cooperated with the FBI when the FBI has tried to get information to hack people's phones in the past, and so... But the that, FBI still did succeed in hacking that phone. They did, but I think that Apple has a good track record when it comes to privacy, and so that I, I have a certain level of trust. Yeah, I agree. My I, mean, I have a certain level of trust. First of all, it's stored locally, so it's not out in the cloud. Yeah, so in that case, it's not even their choice. And as far as if we're going to go there for police, it, it's no different with Apple with Touch ID than Face ID. Yeah. I think the main concern to me really is the convenience. Right. How accurate is it going to be? That's yeah. the question. But to me, also the fact that banks are signing on, like you know, Apple said that you're going to be able to use Face ID to uh, to make financial transactions at banks. That to me shows that there's a level of accuracy here that definitely other Android phones don't have mm-hmm. because uh, with facial recognition and Android phones, you've been able to unlock that with like profile pictures, like Facebook pictures, yeah. stuff like that. And so that's really been more of a novelty feature that you would not rely on if you want a secure phone, whereas Face ID is really being um, presented in a different way. Mm-hmm. My recommendation, I think, would be if you are really concerned about Face ID and that's the deciding factor for you on whether or not you get an iPhone 8 or 8 Plus or an iPhone 10, that you just wait. You wait, let the early adopters get iPhone 10. See what people say. You know that people will be figuring out ways to spoof it and break into phones with it and writing articles about it and complaining about whether or not it's convenient. So just wait and then draw your own conclusions based on other people's experience and then decide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my personal opinion is what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I think that, A, I'm not very concerned about the security. I know you're going to see, I guarantee you, you're going to see articles about somebody somewhere that found a way to hack it. I don't think it's going to become prevalent, like a major security crisis in this country. I I don't predict that happening. I think it's Mm -hmm. unlikely. I think there will be few cases here and there where somebody has found a way. Number two, I think that 
It's very legitimate to be concerned about the convenience factor. I think it's very likely that it won't work perfectly up front. Uh, I think Apple, it's a software update most likely. Apple will be able to improve it through software over the course of the year or two. Um, you can, to answer our reader's question, unlock the phone via, you can always unlock it via passcode. So there is an inconvenience if it's not accurate that you have to use a passcode more. Personally, I'm willing to do that because I am an early adopter. I think it's fun to have the new technology. I'm optimistic that it'll be relatively accurate. Cool. So we've addressed some face ID concerns, if that's something that you are you know, weighing in your mind. and But we also want to get into our favorite and least favorite mm-hmm. iOS 11 tips before we wrap up this episode. Re- real, um, real quick, though, what's, Sarah and I have weighed in. What's your opinion? Are you worried about it personally? Oh, for face ID? Yeah. I, I'm not worried. I also am... I'm usually pretty comfortable adopting a new technology. I did notice that the first generation Touch ID versus the second generation Touch ID were worlds apart in terms mm-hmm. of how convenient and fast it was. Like I used to just use my passcode for the most part, even when I had Touch ID, because I hated the failed attempts. So I'm a little concerned that Face ID might not be perfect at first, and that could be annoying, but I'm excited enough to try it that I'll give it a whirl. And using a passcode isn't the end of the world if I need to do that. But yeah, when it comes to privacy, again, for me, it comes back to Apple's track record. I have a lot less trust. I I have an Amazon Alexa, but um, I feel a lot less comfortable with that, (laughs) actually knowing that it's always listening, whereas... Apple, you know, also with the HomePod has said it will not be listening to you all the time. Like Apple has taken a pretty strong stance when it comes to that sort of thing, which I think, you know, makes Mm -hmm. Face ID a lot safer feeling. Yes. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to iOS 11. (laughs) Let's do it. Uh, So... I can jump in with some of my favorite features. Mm-hmm. I uh, We just got an iPad Pro at the office recently, so I've had a chance to use some of the iOS 11 special iPad features. That's been one of the coolest things about iOS 11 is what it's brought to the iPad. Uh, drag and drop is the main one that's really cool. That allows you to gather up several items and move them from app to app um, just by tapping one item and then using another finger using multi-touch to uh just tap another item it like bundles it together and then you can just drag it across and drop it where you want that's really cool and it's just it makes multitasking way better on the ipad i love it i have mixed feelings about ios 11 on the ipad i to me the bit one of the most important parts of ios 11 was all the updates for the ipad i have an ipad air and it's become almost unusable Seriously? Yeah, it's so slow and it's so painful. And I like the new tray underneath. I like some of the new features. I like the file. But I'm really frustrated. I'm thinking about actually just going back to iOS 10 on it because it's really slowed my device down. And it's an old device. But it's a first generation iPad Air. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I really, it's kind of due for an upgrade anyway. But uh, it's really, it, before it was usable and now it's getting pretty close to unusable. And that's frustrating to me. Is it just slow or what? It's slow. It's like when I type, I like, I'll type and then I'll wait and I'll watch the letters slowly fill in. I'll tap on a new app and it'll like, I'll sit there and I'll wait for it to pop up. I'll wait for it to load. It's like, you know, I'm a very impatient person. So it's not like maybe as bad as I'm making it sound. But for me, it's driving me crazy. Mm. I mean, I found iOS 11 to be pretty buggy, like, my phone freezes like once a day and I have to like restart really? it. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. 
um, outdone. That's just since iOS 11. And now that will, of course, be, you know, Apple usually releases pretty quickly some quick updates that address these bugs that people encounter. Um, but it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. What's been your favorite feature so far, sir? I love lane guidance and maps. Ooh, you know, I haven't I, used these I was, yet. I was dropping my daughter off for college in Chicago and, you know, like, really like knowing ahead of time like oh i need to be in the left lane or the right lane because when you're in heavy traffic Mm -hmm. it's not really easy to suddenly like cut across three lanes of traffic if you didn't realize your exit was on the left yeah um so i really love that. that's really nice yeah good Um, one i also love the customizable control center yeah um because i don't have to have features that i never use and i can have features that i do use all Mm -hmm. the time um and I really love how easy it is to manage iPhone storage. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing is, for instance, uh, a lot of people don't realize that messages, those attachments, can take up many gigabytes of oh, space yeah. on your iPhone. And you know, you'd have to go through each conversation and like um, and delete them there. And you have to delete them one at a time, which is really yeah. annoying. It was I, I yeah. realized it, and I just never got around to fixing it because right. it was such a hassle. But you can see every single attachment from all your text conversations in one place there, and mm-hmm. you can then go through and delete them. I love you that. You still can yeah. only delete them one at a time, but at least you're not having to open multiple conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Another feature I'm really excited about is finally messages supports GIFs. I feel like for so for so long when you've saved a GIF you uh, in your Photos app, it just turns into a still oh, photo. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so now your iPhone supports GIFs. And so by your iPhone supporting, because Message has always displayed the GIFs. That's you true. mean the Photos app? Yeah, the Photos app, sorry. Okay. So if someone sends you a GIF and a message that you love and you tried to save it to Photos, yeah. then it would just turn it into a still photo. Totally. Which, yeah. The and, la- the, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and that has also allowed them to support uh, live photo gifts. Yeah, you can now Finally. turn your live photos. You they you apply effects. They have a loop and bounce effect that um, that you can apply, and that turns your live photo into a gif that you can send to people. The only thing is, it's not quite a gif. It seems it's like a gif like format that if you send. It, it displays differently depending where you send it. Yeah. So it's still not like 100% there. But it does send. I mean, like before you couldn't, you still can't really send a live photo to a non-iPhone user. But now if you turn it into a loop or a bounce live photo, people will see it. They'll see the loop. They'll see the bounce. And it- that's... Yeah, but some, it'll play con- <laughs> it'll play continuously like a GIF though to only some devices, and it'll mm-hmm. play as a short three second video oh, that you have to replay annoying. to other devices. So it's still like a little weird. If you haven't messed around with it, definitely I really recommend keeping your live photo mode on and kind of going through and messing around with it because it's it's not just like you can do really fun silly things of your friends making f- silly faces and stuff, but there's really fun use cases. I was at a wedding recently and they for the first dance I had a live photo and I turned into this really cool gif of them kind of dancing. And so there's yeah. fun like ways of taking little moments that photos can't quite capture fully and with a gif you can capture them better and that, I really like that. And yeah. also, you can choose the still photo in your live photos now, which is amazing for like either a group shot where it's yes. hard to get everyone looking good at the same time, uh-huh. 
or for an action shot where you just want to capture that, like just that perfect moment. Now you can go into your live photo and scroll through the timeline and choose the perfect moment. So many times you go to take a group photo and everybody looks great except for one person who's blinking. Yeah. Now you can, if you have live photos on, you can go edit that to the right spot, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. So great. because of this, I just leave live on yeah, all the time. Yeah, I do too. Now. Um, my favorites, uh, you guys basically covered them. I haven't, first of all, I've been surprised by how buggy it is. It's certainly yeah. kind of buggy. I have this bug that seems to only be on my phone, and I don't know why. But uh, have you guys had this? On text messages, it won't display the latest text unless I scroll up. Like, it defaults pos- the default position is like, yes, okay, you've had this too. happen to you. Okay, that's it's a, driving a little me annoyance. Crazy. I hadn't quite, like, connected to iOS 11. I was yeah. like, why is this happening? And uh, it, my, my girlfriend has iOS 11. She's not having this problem. Are you having this problem, sir? Yeah, I am. Okay, so <laughs> apparently, I don't know. But... Uh, yeah, it drives me crazy because you'll get a notification in their text. You'll look at it and you'll go, oh, I don't have a text because I sent this and haven't heard back yet. And really you have to like scroll up a little bit and it's like buried underneath the keyboard. So that's been driving me crazy. Uh, I do really like the new control center. I do really like the new live photos and I really like, um, the management for your storage. Those are three things that stood out to me so far for iOS 11. What are your least favorites, Sarah? I'm pretty disappointed in the Apple Music social features. Okay. And yeah. You know, it's still nowhere near as good as Spotify's. Um, and I, I don't find Do Not Disturb while driving easy to use. But mostly, all my apps keep crashing. And I'm not just talking about third-party apps, although really? that's a problem too. It's like the Reminders app, the Notes app, they're all crashing on me. And are, you, are you having that problem, Donna? Uh, no. I'm not. Because I'm not either. And I'm wondering if maybe it's related to, I mean, I know you upgraded from the beta too, but I wonder if it's related to upgrading to the beta because I haven't had a lot of crashes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, apps are freezing and they're crashing and it's, I'm not a patient person either, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone listening, let us know what issues you've been having by emailing podcasts at iphonelife.com. Uh, and, one, and what your favorite features are. Let us yeah. know both of those. Yeah. I'm curious um, what... What's better about Spotify than the Apple Music social sharing? Because I I don't actually use Apple Music. I'm not a subscriber besides just testing it out in the office. So I would have to hear from you. I don't know. I mean, I haven't played with it much since the shipping version of iOS iOS 11 came out. Um, Maybe it's just I just don't know many people with Apple Music. Um, Yeah, like Connor and you are friends on Apple Music, right? Right, but we were already sharing playlists anyways. It is nice that, you know, I couldn't update. Actually, I'm not even sure, like, because one thing is we can't, like, collaborate on playlists. Mm -hmm. That's something Spotify Spotify allows. And that's important, you know? Yeah, even that's even for free users of Spotify. You Uh can collaborate on on playlists. And can you view all their playlists? Like, Um, Like, can you view their public playlists? Yes. Okay. And I can see what she's listening to, which actually I don't like. I don't necessarily want everyone to see everything I'm listening to because I listen to some weird things. You can turn that off, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure you can. Oh, really? Because in Spotify they have that. I personally like it because it's like really kind of fun to see all that. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be complaining about this so much until I spend some time to uh, play with it more, but... When it initially became available, Connor and I were both really excited because mm-hmm. um, we're also workout buddies, and so we create like workout yeah. playlists and things like that. And uh, and then it was just very disappointing, and mm. so I kind of have left it alone. Um, but I maybe I should go and play with it some more. 
I'm really excited about the Apple Music features and Watch OS 4, actually. But since we're going to be talking about the Apple Watches in our next episode, I'll probably get into why I'm excited about that. Stay tuned, y'all. <laughs> so my least favorite features are the um, the screenshot feature now. Oh, I'm liking that. So when you take a screenshot, a little thumbnail shows up on the lower left corner of the screen and you can swipe left to dismiss it or you can tap it to mark it up. But to me, like I just thought it was a system that didn't need to be messed with because it worked well before. You used to take a screenshot and it would just show up in your Photos app. Now, if you dismiss the thumbnail, it'll show up in your Photos app. But if you tap it to mark it up, then you need to choose whether or not to save it to your photos or to just dismiss it and have it disappear. And I found this to be annoying because sometimes I'll by accident tap it and like go into this whole thing I didn't mean to Mm -hmm. when I just wanted to take a quick screenshot and like move along with my day. Mm -hmm. The other thing is when I've shared screenshots from that markup window, it's been buggy. Oh, really? It's Mm -hmm. taken a long time and other people like I keep on sending screenshots to Jamie in the office because we use them a lot Mm -hmm. and he hasn't been able to open them properly unless I I share it from the Photos app. Oh, annoying. That is annoying. So we've given you guys a pretty good idea of our least and favorite features of uh, iOS 11. Uh, please email us at podcast at iphonelife.com to let us know the experiences that you guys are having, uh, all the good and bad, and we'll share that in our next episode. Uh, but thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody.